right, we're doing something different today. We're going to have a conversation about Christianity and climate change. Uh, and in order to do this, we have the professor himself, the good doctor, Robert Mason, everybody. Come on. Oh, God. All right, if you don't know, uh, if you don't know Dr. Bob Mason, uh, Bob Mason is a professor at California, how do you say it, California, Cal State State Northridge, also known as CSUN. Do we have any CSUN grads in the house? All right. I actually voted for Kevin to be up here instead of me, but uh, oh well. And Bob, just for everybody, what do you you teach uh, at CSUN? Well, I'm in the religious studies department, and so most of my classes have to do with um, e- uh, ethics and the environment, you know, environmental ethics. So, um, but uh, there's a lot of different types of classes. I've taught uh, religion and film, um, religion and logic, you know, but uh, environmental ethics is a, is, a big, uh, is a big one. Yeah. So uh, we've been building kind of a framework for re-understanding theology in terms of environmentalism for the last few weeks. And I thought it would be good in this conversation to actually have a conversation. So for all of us to really candidly uh, be able to talk amongst ourselves and then also just to ask questions. I feel like a lot of times uh, we can read things in the news or watch things and uh, there's a lot of... uh, Information out there, fake news, uh, whatever. There, there's a lot of things going on, and we don't have the opportunity a lot of times to just have a, que- a question answered. And so I figured since we have a professor of environmentalism, let's, let's just ask the good doctor all the good questions. So um, I'm going to kick us off just to get us going. Um, and I, you know, I want to know, you know, like, is climate change real? Hey, this is supposed to be a safe space, okay? Yeah. Uh, I would need to know. Yeah. So, um, but talking but you, about safe space, what can... I'd like us to do is, um, because uh, environment, how we, how we look in, at the environment, is it not true? It's actually our perception, right? It's how we perceive the environment. And so one of the things that Ryan and I talked out is that it's extremely important. You know, normally we have that time during the service where, you know, we, we ask questions and we kind of get around and, and discuss those. And we're going we're gonna to do that several times. But please, what I'd like us to do is I want us to treat this space, this time, you know, as a safe and secure space. So what that means is no matter what someone says... Um, because they're going to be talking about something that is, you know, uh, important to them, that we do not demean that. We, we honor that. You know, we don't laugh. We don't ridicule. Uh, in fact, and we don't even write off. I mean, we're, we're taking everyone's um, ideas seriously. So when you're, you know, now Ryan's going to be asking me questions. But really, what's really more fundamental is... Um, because we want to get at values, and the only people that really are, have the answer to the values that, that um, drive their um, self-identity are you. you know, so you guys are going to be the important, uh, important part. So, I'm sorry. Question? Yeah, it sounds like you're just like, not answering my question, right? <laughs> like, that was... 
So, so just to kick us off, because yeah. uh, we'll we'll take time to to talk in groups, and then I want to be able to uh, use your conversation as launch points for questions that you might have. Um, but just to to get us started, uh, I feel like that's a good place. Is climate change real? Yeah. Uh, well, um, I think it is, and the reason why that um, some of the things that go about in, in the news this morning, right? We've got um, uh, hurricanes coming, have already killed people in South Carolina. It's now moving up through uh, North Carolina. They're expecting deaths in uh, North Carolina. And these are um, hurricanes that over and above the, what normally takes place. And it's not just in America. Last week, uh, hurricanes, as we all know, you know uh, tore through the Philippines and is now on their way to uh, mainland China. Um, so there are, uh, as the as the global climate rises, two things will happen. You can take to the bank. Um, one of them is that the climate is going to change. Number one, and that the climate is going to be more. The, the climate changes. The type of changes are going to be more severe. How long have we been in a drought in California? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, upon have have we ever? I mean, every year is fire season in California. But have you ever heard of a fire season in California where there was no beginning and there is no end? It is now, uh, you know, year long. And what is, what is the cause of that? Well, you know, it's, it's, um, the cause of that is uh, the climate, the, the temperature in, around the world is, clim- is, is increasing. Minute... Increases cause cataclysmic changes. All right, but I have a I have a video, Bob, of uh, a certain senator who says climate change is not real, and this is a very scientific video. So uh, you might want to take a look at this. I asked the chair, you know what this is? It's a snowball, and that's just from outside here. So it's very very cold out, very unseasonal. So there, Mr. President, catch this. Mm-hmm. Okay, there. I probably gave James Inhofe a little bit too much time in church, but you know that's the full clip. So uh, this, you, you you might have seen this before. Has anybody seen this before? All right, some of you have. Um, it's a very famous clip, right? He's trying to raise the argument that uh, because there's snow on the ground, climate change isn't real. So uh, could you just maybe give just a very basic uh, explanation of the difference between? Weather and climate. Yeah. Um, have you thought about? I'm so sorry. Have you thought about the difference between weather and climate? So typically, weather is what takes place now here. A climate is more long term in terms of uh, trends and. Uh, and, uh, and policy. So as far as the difference between weather, we can have inclement weather, but when you, thought, when you talk about climate change, we're not talking about what the weather is outside. We're talking about long-term effects and, um, uh, and, and trends. And from that perspective, the, the science is absolutely clear. Um, things, uh, uh, the, the, um, the environment is changing um, overall. Uh, so one thing that we've talked about before is how do we create a common sense of 
values in order to, to really affect change in our own lives and then to see it change within our community, our city, and our country, and then the globe. Because one thing we've talked about is that we all share a common home, right? We all live on the same planet. Uh, but how do we create a shared sense of values in which we can sort of all act for the common good and a common interest? Uh, and so you talked about a thing that you do with your classes is you talk about how do we come to shared values? Right. So one of the things that, to be able to do this is that you, we talk about what are the issues, okay? And some of the issues are um, the amount of greenhouse gases, you know, that are um, preventing the, um, w- the heat that is coming down from the sun to, to be released in, you know, outside of our atmosphere. So that's driving up the... Uh, the um, the temperature, but that is based on um, fossil fuels. Okay, so the issues are we use too much fossil fuels. Some other issues, um, we generate too much garbage. Another one is, and is related to fossil fuels, we use too much plastic, you know, and we can go on and on and on. Um, now, those are the issues. And I think we, most people would agree we use too much plastic, you know, and all that stuff. But what are the values upon which we, th- those issues are supported? So we as Christians could probably fall on both sides of the issue, okay? So we're all going to have values that support the issues from our perspective, Okay, so that would be the question I think that ultimately we're going to try and get to is so upon what are the values? And what I mean by value is uh, kind of like what you were talking about earlier about your, um, you know, your own identity, your self-identity. We all construct our, our identities in different ways. Um, your identity that you, your self-identity that you had while you're growing up is probably not the same self-identity that you have now. In fact, uh, and I think uh, Ryan's right, we can have different identities depending on which context we find ourselves in, right? But what are those core values that define who you are deep down? And it is those values that I'm hoping... Now, once again, this is a safe space, right? That we would be... uh, that, that we could possibly discuss um, as we talk, uh, you, you know, talk that out. Okay, so I want to give everybody a few minutes to talk about shared values. Uh, what would be like an example so that people, when they break into their groups, what would be an example of a shared value that uh, you might have? Or, well, or a, value a value that you might have? Okay, well, uh, actually, let's do this. The clip that we just saw, what do you think Mr. Imhoff has as a core, as a core, as a core value? When you have all of these governmental agencies that are talking about, you know, that climate um, change is a reality, and he's saying, and he brings up a snowball and saying this this proves that climate change is not real. Well, see, so um, someone like from, from his perspective, he would hold, you know, uh, that the government is very suspect, right? Anything that you know, uh, so his value is to always doubt government. And so from his perspective, it has nothing to do with government because government can be corrupted so easily. You see how the values go? 
I'm sure you've not, you've met people that that um, felt that um, the government. How many of you know people, or maybe you are one of those that just feel that the government is is too much in our business? Have you ever known, or either you or talked to that? Of course you are. That's a value. And then you have other people that saying, no, 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 government can be used for good. So you, so there's a, those are contrasting values. Government sucks. It always gets in your face. Oh, no, government can be used for good. Those are conflicting values. That's an example. All right, so take a few minutes, uh, turn to a neighbor, get in groups of two or three, and talk about uh, a shared value or a value that you have um, that would be um, something that would drive your understanding of your participation in uh, climate advocacy or how you understand your role in with the environment. Sound good? And, and, there, and there'll be multiple values, right. you know. Um, so if you guys can talk about just what are some of those values that drive you as, a, as people, as a person, to take a stand on issues one way or the other. Okay, take a few minutes, talk amongst yourselves, and then we'll, we'll bring it back. No, uh, so, um, you know, so once again, the values are... Uh, uh, we use too much oil, we use too much plastic, we use yeah. too much garbage. Those are all different issues. I'm issues, sorry. Those yeah, are issues. issues. Yeah. So um, you, can, you can either agree with those or you don't agree. You know, so the way it comes down to is like, um, should we not, you know, is it true, should we not be using um, disposable plastic bags at the grocery store? Or should we not be using plastic water bottles to get our water from? Now, you can say, yes, no, there's views on both those sides, right? Because you, if some people say, well, wait a second, I, I can't trust the water that comes through the tap. Now we're getting towards, the, we're getting towards values, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's what, what are those things that support or cause you to make a stand one side or the other? This is not just a one-side thing, right? Because there's going to be people on both sides of the issue as Christians, Mm -hmm. Both sides. Okay? Yeah. All right. Thank you for uh, participating. Does anybody want to share one of their values? Yeah, Laura. Okay, Laura has no values. Everyone make sure you make note of that. Brandt. Uh, so everyone heard that, right? You know, so what I'm hearing is there's actually you know, like two approaches. One is from an individual perspective, what can I do to change? And the other is, well, what can a society, what can be done on a societal or globe, or, or a political or group level? Am I, am I interpreting that correctly? Right. Right. That's an excellent example. Like, if I can, um, I'm just going to make sure everyone hears what you're saying. Um, you know, so plastic water bottles. See, a core, va a core value is convenience. Yeah. You know, another one is actually safety. You know, you can be sure that, you know, well, I mean, um, hopefully there have right. been some studies to show contrary. Right. But, you know, that, uh, that it's safe to drink water that's been sealed in a, in a plastic, uh, right. uh, plastic bottle. And uh, that's, a, that's a really great because uh, I watched a piece on Flint, Michigan, uh, even just this week. And, you know, obviously their population doesn't trust the government who uh, essentially poisoned them for so many years. So they're still in Flint, Michigan. Uh, was it? We're going on two years now, uh, and, or longer, and they're still um, going to like parking lots all over the city to to get like cases and cases of 
um, you know, water. And people aren't, like, they don't brush their teeth uh, with the tap water. Um, So, I mean, there's all sorts of issues at play there. But I think convenience uh, a lot of times as a value wins out over our, you know, responsibility to to find a more sustainable option right because it's like it's so convenient so that's a it's i think a really good microcosm argument did anyone discuss uh, in terms if so if you discussed plastic water bottles did anyone discuss uh, talk about the idea of actual taste as a as a value taste Hmm. okay so there's no water snobs out there Yeah. 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 Well, that, and that's another value too. Like we haven't mentioned yet is finances. A, a lot of a lot of the decisions that we we make uh, are personal financial decisions. And how many times has someone made a personal decision of purchasing something or not purchasing something because money is a value? Okay, only me. Um, well, so we make we make decisions right based on our value of our finances. What was a value, uh, Bob, that you would have for the way you understand? Well, I mean it's 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 all across the board, you know. And I just want to highlight. Uh, thank you so much for what you said because can we all see how complex every decision we make. How, how it's how it's such a negotiation on multiple values. You know, you might be, you know, yes, I, um, okay, I don't mind paying a little more, but not a lot more. You know how that y- y- we do that on a daily basis, okay? Um, and so, huh? Yes, please. I do sacrifice plastic <laughs> And the other hey. thing is, now look at. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a safe space because what I'm hearing from you is like, oh gosh, I'm feeling kind of right. Everyone, this is a safe space, right? Okay, so don't you don't need to back off of that. That's fine, you know. Uh, for me personally, um, I think that um, uh, uh, as a Christian, um, part of our values, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. Um, the gospel has got to play some kind of role in our value selection. Okay? And maybe not even every time, but most of the time. Okay? So um, I have uh, some values too, but just to kind of turn it towards because uh, the, the Christian perspective is, you know, the, this idea that, um, uh, you know, uh, that God, what's the most famous verse? That God so loved the world that uh, God, you know, gave his only son, you know. This. So part of it is that I personally am trying to broaden that concept of love as much as possible. One of the great things about this church is that it is in that process we're broadening the idea of love is not just, you know, for those that eat like, smell like, look like uh, you, but that all are, all have come under the umbrella of God's love and affection. And I would just say a value for me is that that all is not just humans. It's all, it's, and it's not just animals. It's all of God's creation, all of the 
um, ecosystems that go in, that that allow us to be and to function as free individuals and free animals and you know plants. So that would be one of my. How about what and about I you? To, and I told you there'd be no preaching this morning. Oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. I love it. But, and and yours? Uh, yeah, I think I would have, from a Christian perspective, uh, the idea of um, resp- mutual responsibility to each other as a as a human family would be high up on my list. So uh, the idea of sustainability and sh- shalom, like we were talking, and uh, the idea of shalom in the Bible is this idea of everything in right relationship. And for everything to be in right relationship, that means there's no subjugation. There's no abuse. There's no person that's thwarting uh, their power over another thing. And so as a Christian, for me, uh, I would keep returning to this idea of am challenging myself as, is how I'm living the most mutually sustainable uh, way that I know cares for uh, this eco- all the ecosystems you're talking about, right? Which So that would be probably my biggest value, and then other values would try to fall underneath that. So it is the way that I'm living uh, the most sustainable way that uh, fo- follows this sort of picture of shalom where um, the world uh, continues to heal itself so that it is hopefully a world that is we, one that we could pass down to uh, our great-grandkids. Um, and hopefully better than the one that we have today. Oh, this is something we haven't talked about, but I was uh, watching something this week that was talking about the ozone hole. Does anybody remember the ozone hole? It's like a big deal in the, the 70s. Um, did you know that the ozone hole is now uh, projected to be completely healed by, I think it was like 2050? So I think that was like an interesting... Yeah. And, and, but do you, do you know why? You know, it, it's not just because... Oh, the ozone uh, uh, decided, oh, hey, you know what, we're going to get, you know, okay, molecules, come over here, we're going to do that. It's because of humans um, chose, you know, uh, yeah. have chosen not to use um, fluorocarbons and uh, those, um, those chemicals that actually break down the ozone layer. I mean, so that's one actually positive example that we actually made a difference in this in this world. Yeah. And I think it's a good example to to show sort of the common family that we have the power and ability with enough individual and collective will that we can actually continue to heal the planet and actually leave it better. Uh, I like that idea of, um, we talked about it a few weeks ago, that as humans we're called to to not just consume things on the planet and consume things with our lives and produce things, but we're actually um, created to serve and to be these caretakers of our environment and of each other. And this idea of servanthood, uh, I think, is another um, you know, Christian value that would, that would be up there. So this is, this is the graph that's uh, most common. Do you use this in your classes? Uh, so here, if you can, if you can see, uh, so this is uh, showing atmosphere uh, carbon dioxide, um, and it, it fluctuates, right? Throughout human history here, you can look at 400,000 years ago, and it has this fluctuation. And then you see over here, uh, the 1950 level kind of breaks this threshold, and then it skyrockets up from there. So the, the, the level of fluctuation that we're seeing in carbon dioxide is um, not like anything that has ever like fluctuated in human history. That's a excellent it's a really point. great yeah, point. And that the point that I want to make from that is that see 
uh, whether you're conservative or liberal, Democrat or Republican, you're making decisions based on core values that you hold, okay? Um, and so, um, so is, it, is it that those values suck and mine are good? Really? What is that called? That's called dogmatism. We don't want to be dogmatists. We, so when we look at things, we don't want to say, try and, you know, when, when we're having discussions to try and find out, you know, what's right and what's wrong. Because the point is that both sides have something right about. And that, so we need to be um, accentuating those, okay? Is this a good transition into the, uh, the next uh, little discussion? Time? Yeah, I think so, because we wanted to talk about, um, you wanted to talk about individual. Yeah. So what, what question would you? So uh, is it okay? Can, can we do another little breakout group just real quickly to get us more discussion? So here's the thing. So we have all these values, you know. Now let's bring in the, the religious component, the Christian component. So are there certain values that we as Christians, um, because uh, we are trying to look towards God and to have him as a role model or, or him or her as a role model for our lives, is that is are there values that we can agree on? Are there any common values of all the values that we hold? Are there common values that we can draw from as a group, do you think? So what are some common values that, uh, that we may have? You know, so we've got individualism, group. We've got um, tastes and, you know, not tastes. We've got um, uh, all, these, all these values. But are there any common values that we can, um, as believers, as Christians, la- uh, latch on to? So what I'd like us to discuss, if it's okay, is um, are there any common values? I mean, are we, are, are we just here insulated with, you know, tubes? Beam me up, Scotty. You know, I'm just right here. You don't have to do anything like that. But are there common values that we uh, can call common because of our common faith? I guess that's the way we could say it. What would be some common values um, towards the, uh, the earth, its creation, that we, could, that we could hold on to? What do you think? Okay. So we just had a great question. So continue to talk. I just want to make a comment because uh, the question was, um, so why? You know, at the very end there, 1950 and kind of goes up. So here's the, um, like the, the, the Reader's Digest edition. Oh, gosh, that's just my age. Cliff Notes. <laughs> Cliff Notes. Thank you so much. Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to take one um, sub culture of the answer to this, and that is, um, anyone know um, who, who's the most famous person for the um, construction of the automobile in America? What name do you think of? Henry Ford. Okay, he's the one that started mass producing. When you know, uh, in the teens, you know, back, you know, and so what happened was he got this great idea, starts manufacturing automobiles. Okay. 20s, you know, the roaring 20s, all that happened. 29, what happens in 29, 1929? Yeah, okay, Black Friday, all that stuff. So now we enter this, uh, this extreme period of, of depression, right? So what happens is goes along. Are, are, are cars being sold during the depression? Not too much. Who can afford a, who can afford a car? For, uh, Ford's got this great idea, assembly line, 
cars are just being, they're being bought, but very minimally. As we ramp up for World War II, all the industries now, um, are they produ- are producing um, uh, cars? No, they're, they're producing turrets, you know, tanks, guns, all that stuff. We go to World War II. Is anybody buying cars in World War II? No. I mean, everybody's away, you know, right? So the guys come back from war. This is in the, you know, latter 50, you know, latter 40s. Beginning in 1950 is the first time in the century when we have households making two incomes in one household. They've got this money, so what do they start buying? Cars. <laughs> well, actually, everything, including cars. So in 1950, the, ama- the amount of, prior to 1950, um, America had more cars than any, than the rest of the world combined prior to 1950. 1950, so then cars start buying. You know, I don't know if there are pictures in the 60s. I don't know if any of you are the, you know, uh, were around in the 60s and maybe in school, but uh, there were so many cars and there was so much smog that a lot of times from this place here, you couldn't even see the mountains because it was so... Yeah, I remember Laura Laura saying that one time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, so okay. Sorry. Um, Okay, so do we... Want to have time time to share? Uh, does anybody want to share their? Yeah, there was several. There, one I heard was honoring. That's another great value. What other? I mean, what others? Uh, other have other values? Did you come up with? There's yeah, tons. We were respect. Respect. Yeah. That's a great one. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, treat your neighbor as you would treat yourself. Yeah, that's or love thing. your neighbors. That's love yourself. Yeah, I think that's in the Bible somewhere. Yeah, it's in the Bible. Others, anyone else? I mean, okay. What? What? Right. Yeah, I think that kind of goes like with. Uh, do you want to share the the value that you mentioned to me? Yeah. So, um, well, actually, so if it's okay, let's try to transition just to the the, the yeah. conclusion stuff here. Yeah. So, um, of course, if I, as I get older, I'm losing my memory and my mind. So um, let me just—I have to. Uh, there's a verse that I want that I want to use as a way of getting into a common value. And I want to use it from uh, Paul's letters. And the reason why is because the Apostle Paul, um, some people will say, really didn't care one way or the other about the Bible. You know, Paul ends up being kind of the bashing person. You know, oh, he talked about slavery. He talked about, oh, he, he didn't, he wasn't too impressed with women. You know, blah, and it goes on and on and on. And he didn't really care that much about the environment. So I just want to highlight a verse from Romans. And this is Romans chapter 8, starting with verse um, 18. You don't need to just listen. I'm just going to read the first paragraph. If this is Romans 8, 15. Um, I consider that our present sufferings, and this is the Apostle Paul talking, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. This is verse 19. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For creation was subjected to frustration. Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in the hope that creation itself 
will be liberated from its bondage. Okay? Now, here's the thing. Every, so it, on, on this it says, um, uh, creation was subjected to frustration. So if you ask anyone, so who's the one that subjected it to frustration? Every, almost everyone will say, it's either God. You have only a couple choices. It's either God, uh, the devil, or Adam. Okay, And most people, believe it or not, will say it's God. They'll say God's the one that, that, that subjected creation to, um, to frustration. Does that make sense to you? So, okay, but you, okay, so you have to do some, some kind of fancy footwork anyway to do that. Just right off the bat, you say, God fr- you know, um, subjected creation to um, uh, frustration? No. So I think uh, the, the, the issue there is not God didn't do that. Paul is speaking um, in the first century. And in the first century, who is in charge of things um, in of Israel and in fact of all of the empire, it wasn't. It was it was the the emperor. Okay, and so in other words, my point is is that the frustration that Paul is talking about is not a is not generated from God. It's generated because of man's pride and ego and str- and str- and, str- and um. Uh, seeking power, okay? And so Paul says, so what is the Christian's response to that? It's hope. And it's not a passive hope. It's an active hope, like what we've been talking about. What can we do as God's people? Now, we've already talked about individuals, but as a group, what can, we, what can God's people do? That, that's, my, that's my point. Yeah. Uh, the... The verse that I'm going to conclude with uh, is Luke 4, starting in uh, verse 16. Uh, And it's a story of Jesus going to the synagogue for the very first time. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he'd been raised. And on the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue, as he normally did, and stood up and read. The The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim the release to the prisoner, in the recovery of the sight of the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So in piggybacking off of what Bob is saying here, uh, as a Christian, I feel like it's our responsibility, it's my responsibility to preach good news to the poor. Like, what does it mean to preach good news to the poor with the way we live in the world? When we think about proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor, that sounds like a really churchy phrase, but what does it mean to live in such a way that we live with that active hope, that active peacemaking work, where we're restoring harmony, shalom, right relationship to all things? And so uh, since 
Luke 4 is my favorite uh, gospel piece, and it's Jesus announcing what his life and ministry uh, are going to be about in his day. I want us to think about this text in the, the relationship to our day, into our individual lives, because we know that, like Dwayne says, you have to have your life at a small scale, our life as a church family, our life within the community or city, and then that extending out to our country and what we're doing globally in regards to the environment. So uh, I would challenge us to, to look at that verse in relationship to how do we do these things uh, that Jesus made his life about today. Uh, That's a great ending right there. Um, so I, uh, I put together a list of Things in the bulletin. If you didn't get a bulletin, I'll put them online. Uh, but there's uh, some good websites, great books and resources, uh, movies to watch. Uh, we don't have – I wish we had more time to continue the, this discussion, uh, but we were so long on time today. Uh, there is a great site that I found this week called Overshoot Day, uh, Earth Overshoot Day, and there's earthovershootday.org. It should be in the uh, bulletin. But you can actually go on this website and uh, by answering how a few questions and how you live, you can sh- see your carbon footprint. And uh, it's really... If, if you want. I don't it's know if I want to re- It's really depressing, okay? <laughs> so right now, globally, we're using, uh, we're using 1.7 Earths. So we're using more resources than the earth can produce. Um, And basically, uh, I went on there, did the whole test. If everybody lived like me, we would be using three earths. Three earths, if everybody lived like me. Um, So, yeah, that's really depressing. So you can all judge your pastor now. Uh, that's how much resources I use. So it, it'll show I'm, you. I'm scooting away a little bit. Yeah, right. So, uh, so I use more resources. Um, so if I, so basically they have a year. So this Earth Overshoot Day. So we use all of the Earth's resources uh, this year faster than we ever have. So August first, we had used our year supply of resources. And every year, we use Earth's resources quicker and quicker and quicker. If everybody lived like me, we would have been up May 1st. I would have used all... I used my allotted resources by May. Five months. Five months. And I would be out. I would have nothing to live off of the rest of the year. So um, it's an easy way to to go online. Laura and I had a good conversation uh, this week where we have this timidity about finding this information about ourselves. And I want to let you know that it's okay. All right? It's okay to learn new information about yourself, even if it means having to make changes, right? Because I think that's one of the scariest things about finding out the way we live in the world in relation to a lot of issues. But we hate kind of finding out those things about ourselves and the way we live because we know it's going to have to force us to change the way we live. So I want to challenge you to... Learn more about yourself. Realize it's okay to give yourself some grace uh, because really that's, that's what we're here for, right? Uh, we understand that we have been given the opportunity to understand grace, hope, and love that we've experienced and then to extend that to our, our world and community. And I feel like we can't do that until we really truly experience that grace even in the midst of the way uh, we live today and overuse our resources, most of us. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, all of you, for yeah, thank um, you. making this.